0: Hey guys, how are we doing today? Uh, Pastor Thomas here. I'm the Associate Pastor of Boulevard Church. Thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us. I just want to mention a couple quick things before we roll in. Uh, please share the stream, uh, like it, drop a comment. It, it really boosts the, the interactivity there. Helps us out a lot. Also, if you have not yet, please subscribe to YouTube. Once we get past 500 subscribers, it really starts to beat the YouTube's algorithms. People start to see our videos a little bit more often. It just helps us out a little bit. Now with that out of the way, I'd like to move right into our message. Uh, we're continuing on in our Three Pillars series. It's our year-long series going over the foundations of this church. We just got done with our first love series, which is all about our first pillar, which is our relationship with God. We're now going to move into a heart for the house, which is our pillar about the community, loving the local church, being a part of the church that you're planted in. After all of this, probably three four months, who knows what happens, we're going to move into a series about evangelism and reaching the world at large. But we're in a heart for the house right now. Last week, Pastor West kicked it off and talked about unity. He talked about uh, how God is so unified in himself and that we're to be unified just as God is unified. Uh, the verse he used was John 17:20 20 to 23. I think it's a perfect thesis verse for this entire series. I'm going to go ahead and read it again really quick. John 17, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which is you and I that they all may be one as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me really quick. Verse 21. It's so important. People will believe the Bible. will believe our testimony. will believe who God is and that he is who he says he is based on our unity. If we're unified, people will believe in it. You ever hear people say, I don't want to go to Christian. I don't want to go to church. Christians are all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that's a part of it. We're not unified. We don't, care about each other and more to the sermon topic of today. We're talking about loyalty today. We're not loyal to each other. And so that causes people to think that there's an issue with Christianity. The people do not define the religion. The God, the deity, the doctrine defines the religion. And so we come in and we kind of muddy up the waters and cause some issues there. So we really need to focus in on our unity and our loyalty. I'm guilty of it too. I've talked a lot of smack on a lot of people over the years and I've really tried very hard to Tone that back down. You just just reel that back in and love people because we're all going to be different. Amen. Let's continue on. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's incredible. Um, If you're taking notes, today's sermon is called Loyalty Through Unity that's what it is. You know, they can't all be gold. It's kind of a boring title, but you know what? Hopefully it's, uh, you know, meaningful. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Pastor West really talked a lot about just uh, loving one another, being there for each other. And a point that, that he brought out that I really think we need to focus in on really quick is when we all unify, we shrink into one. It's, it's not I expand and people like get get behind me and behind what I'm doing. No, no, no. no. I shrink into one. I humble myself into the vision that God has placed over all of us. We humble ourselves and we come under one banner together. We shrink our lives down into one thing and we live it together. And that is so important. Unity is important. Vision is important. And when they come together, the end product hopefully begets a loyalty. I'm loyal to a cause that has come forward through the unity in the vision. And I'm hoping that's where we can be at. quick little uh, caveat before I I roll in. This sermon in no way is meant to ask every single person in the world to come to our church. If you are in a church, I want you to get involved in that church. I want you to be a part of there. I want you to love your pastor, support your pastor, and be unified with us at that church. Does that make sense? You, You don't have to worry about anyone trying to steal you away from anything. I want the people in our church to be loyal to the cause here, you guys to be loyal to the cause there, and for us to be loyal to each other. Amen? Awesome. All right. So let's go ahead and pray and then I'll jump right into the sermon. Father, I thank you, God. Your word says, God, that you find disunity to be a sin, God, to be wrong, Lord. But Lord, that you have called us to love each other, Lord, just as a man loves his own body and takes care of it, Father. I pray, God, that we would care for one another, be there for one another, and bear each other's burdens, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. uh, Have you ever had to have that conversation with someone where, You know that at the end of it, you're either going to offend them out the door or they're going to just be the best person in the universe. Like you're about to have that serious come to Jesus talk. Like you've been walking with them. They've been having a lot of issues. You've been counseling them. They've given you their peace. You've given them your peace. Other people have come in on it. And it comes to the point where you just got to sit them down and say, you know what? You don't get to talk. I've heard your side of the story a million times. No, no, no. Just stop talking. You're going to listen to me and either you're going to work with it. Or you're going to go somewhere else we've been walking this for too long well i used to have a very high opinion of myself and uh i was given that talk by pastor wesson another leader at the time out in front of my mom's house and it was really rough and uh as as is very very um correct to my character i did not respond properly in the moment but over time i actually got a lot better it's something i'm working on but you know we cannot be perfect right well so I went through it. I walked through it. started to get a lot better. I thought, man, awesome. I'm so glad. I, I, I've gotten the correction. I've moved through it. I responded properly. We're moving forward. I don't have to have that talk ever again. Well, then I was invited about a year and a half, two years later to a coffee shop to not only talk with Pastor West and that leader again, but another leader. And I didn't know what it was about, but I was invited in. They pulled the chair out for me. They all gave me hugs. Hey man, how you doing? They bought me a cup of coffee. It was great. We sat down and all the smiles went away and everyone just kind of did one of those on me. And I thought, oh, God, what's happening right now? I kid you not, I got a second come to Jesus talk. Are you kidding me? And man, they tore into me, but they were right. And they were unified. And that's, that, that's incredible right there. These three leaders in the church had a vision for the church. And I was a leader in that church and I was not rolling along with it properly. And they had to correct me. But not only that, they were my friends, They were my confidants. They loved me. They had a vision for my life that God had given them the vision, this very, very, very same vision God had given me for my life. They held it. They were loyal to it. They were loyal to their friendship and their leadership over me, and that's what's incredible. They came into it together. It was airtight. It was proper, and it was all done out of love, and I couldn't argue it. And yeah, it hurt and it sucked, but afterwards I felt so free. I felt breakthrough. I had breakthrough, I moved forward, and I've never been the same since. And what's incredible is that, that very same thing I keep saying over and over and over and over again. They were unified in a vision and they were loyal to it, and they were loyal to each other, and they were loyal to me. And that loyalty was that, I don't care how far gone you may seem, I don't care how uh, uh, how, how awful your attitude is, I'm going to believe in you, and in the future God has called you to. And that's incredible, that, that loyalty goes such a long way. Um, and that kind of leads me into the, to the main uh, topic of the sermon. I want to talk about three areas that the Bible shows us that we need to have loyalty. Uh, the first point being loyalty and purpose. And this is for our church, for your basic church, right? Uh, whatever church you go to. I'm not talking about the, the church as a whole. That's one of the later points and we'll get to it. I'm talking about your local church. We're not called to sit at home, sit on the couch, turn on TBN, throw a couple of dollars in the, in the bucket. No, no, no. We're called to go to a local church. Be there physically if possible. I know it's funny during the quarantine, but we're, you know, we're ramping up for the government mandated quarantine to be over. And then we can go back to the church building. Uh, That's why we do this. Technology is just amazing, but we are called to be there physically and to be loyal to the vision and to give into it. And I'm not talking just money back when I had no money. You know what I gave? I gave my time. I gave my effort. I gave my love. And now that I do have money, I give it all. And that's not to say that I'm amazing. That's just to say I read what the Bible says, and the Bible says that's our due service. That's what God wants us to do. But really quick, let's go ahead and just look into a a, a couple moments of uh, the Bible where it talks about loyalty and unity and vision. Um, Really quick, I want to touch up on something. Uh, Jesus Christ came for two things. He came for our salvation, to die for our sins, right? And that's incredibly important, right? We have uh, uh, salvation through—I uh, just forget how the how the how the verse goes, man. It's that Ephesians verse, right? We're saved by grace through faith. There we go. There we go. Uh, and, and, and that's incredible. You want to know what the second part of Jesus' mission was? It was to establish the local church. So when we accept one but not the other, we're throwing half of Jesus' mission out the window. And I know that that sounds really intense and harsh. People might like, oh, go, "Well, how can you say that?" Well, I'm, I'm just. Jesus came and he said to Peter that he will establish his church upon the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus came to establish. Those are his own words. And we have to be a part of that establishment. Does that make sense? So really quick, I want to go to a a really, really bad example of unity in the Bible um, that was absolutely incredible and that God kind of marveled at. um, But it was used for the wrong uh, means so God had to handle it. And that's obviously the Tower of Babel. So we're going to go genesis chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. now the whole earth had one language and one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of shinar and they dwelt there then they said to one another come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly see they're they're already unified they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar and they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Continuing on to verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. That's incredible. I I, 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 I got saved in uh, November of t- uh, 2011. November 9th, 2011. It's an awesome day for me. Uh, and it took me a few months to kind of get things right, but then I was just in it to win it. And I didn't grow up in church, but I spent years in an intern program working for a church, helping a church plant, and I got kind of a lifetime's worth of like, you know, children's Bible stories and the Christianese phrases and all that all that all that cool stuff kinda of compiled into one decade. And what I find is that over time, we kind of get a little bit jaded. We kind of get a little bit burnt out. We get callous on the things that we hear. So we hear about the Tower of Babel and about the unity that they had. And we go, oh, yeah, you know, nothing that they purpose is ever going to stop it. And, and that takes away all the power of it. It's just like with John three sixteen. It's one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. And we just write it off when it has such meaning to it. And it's God's heart is so in it. Look here. These people built a tower to profane God, and he had to come down and see it for himself. No, God is omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, that means he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere at all times. But he physically manifested down there to show people something, that this was incredible, it was wrong and sinful, but he marveled at it. Why? Because the unity that they had meant that nothing that they would put forward would ever fail. And, 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 And so what do we look at that? They were loyal to the cause and to one another when they were given a mission they were loyal to it when anyone tried to come in and tried to maybe stop the project from happening it it didn't go what is known here is that they were unified they were loyal to the mission at hand and God himself said nothing that they come forward to do will not prosper nothing will fall apart so he had to come down and personally scatter it which is (laughs) pretty incredible that nothing would have stopped this so God physically put his hand in it and stop that mess from going on. Now if we want a more uh, refined, godly, Jesus-loving uh, approach to it, let's go to the book of Acts. And uh, Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And this is kind of getting into uh, last year when we were going over our, our daily series, talking about what the church needs to be doing daily. Uh, that, that unity and that loyalty to a vision and to a mission is all in the middle of this. So we're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to skip forward a bit. Uh, when uh, Jesus called him to go up in the upper room in, in Jerusalem and start to pray, Uh, this is what it says about it. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They had one heart, one mind, one purpose, one mission. They were loyal to it. They were loyal to Jesus and they were loyal to each other. And not only were they there in spirit, I'm praying for you, lifting my hands, brother. Hey, you're in my thoughts and prayers. When I go over my prayers in my head at night, uh, before I go to bed, I'm going to remember to add you to them. No, no, no. They were there physically in that room for a certain amount of time that's not on the top of my head, so... Uh, I can't help you out there, but, you know, I'm sure you can figure it out. They were probably there for a while, and they were praying and praying. And then God shows up, 120 people, all in that hot, stuffy room in the top of Jerusalem. And God shows up, and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Man, when's the last time any of us have really seen something that incredible? It's because they were unified. It's because they were loyal to the vision and to the mission that God had given them. Going on to verse 42, we're going to go verses 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Wow! Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. Uh, we're going to stop right there, really quick. Couple things. They were unified in the doctrine and what they believed about Jesus. They were unified in their friendship with each other. Even in their meals and in their spiritual moments, they were unified with one another. And then as we see here, that unity brought fear of God. I know people say, no, 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 we're not supposed to be afraid of God. The Bible clearly says we're supposed to have a fear of God, but it's supposed to be a healthy sphere. It's supposed to be a healthy respect. What the Bible says is don't fear man who can destroy your body or who can harm your body, but fear God who can destroy your body and your soul in hellfire. And look at that. We go, okay. So what does that mean? It means God is infinitely powerful. Why should we fear human beings when this infinitely powerful being exists and he knows all of our thoughts and he's with us at all times? See, we're supposed to have this healthy respect and awe and wonder of our God. And oftentimes when I'm not around other people, like during this quarantine, I'm not going to lie, I've had a few moments where I kind of like, you know, God, are, are you as powerful as you said you are? And then when I go into my small group and when I, when I, when I, when I text the other leaders in the church, or when I text the people that, I, that are in my small group, and when I go to some of the events and I help out in limited ways, you know, under, under 10 people, don't worry, we're obeying Allah. excuse me. I am reignited with that passion and I'm reminded of the goodness of God. And I'm reminded of that healthy fear I'm supposed to have of him. See when we're unified physically together, we have a healthy respect and fear of God. we're there to hold each other up to hold each other accountable and moving forward if anyone had need they provided they were unified in each other's burdens and each other's shortcomings and each other's financial distresses going on to verse 46 so continuing daily right daily 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 it's that that the whole sermon series that we went through daily the things we need to be doing every single day so continuing daily with one accord unified in the temple and breaking bread from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. All because of unity. See, the mission that God has given us can be fulfilled. If you feel jaded or left out or burnt out or calloused, keep pushing. I've been there. I've, I've almost quit so many times. I've almost uh, uh, left churches that, I, that I've uh, helped be a, a part of a plant. I've almost just uh, given up and gone back to my old ways at times because I've gotten tired but you see Jesus got tired but for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross and that's the very same thing he calls us to we never have to do anything as hard as Jesus ever did but we do have to do things that are hard sometimes and honestly it's hard to just get up out of bed it's hard to just text people back it's hard to just go to church sometimes but we got to do it amen let's be unified not only just in words but in spirit and physically with one another amen All right, we're going to move on to point two, which is loyalty in the preparation. This one's interesting. This is one that I kind of, um, I was talking with uh, Tina Willis. She's the lady who's like fixing everything that's wrong with the church uh, structure wise. She's amazing. I love her and her husband and and their daughter, amazing family and their two sons, just incredible people. Um, But she was talking to me about uh, Joseph in the prison and David out in the field, and I it just hit me. I thought, you know, what was incredible about Joseph is God gave him a vision and he was loyal to that vision. And David, David didn't have a vision for his life, but his father gave him a job, a job that was usually given to criminals and beggars and thieves. And he was loyal to it. So I I, I don't want to go through and, and read those sections. Um, Joseph, you can be found in the uh, later chapters of Genesis. And uh, this exact section for, for David can be found in 1 Samuel. I believe it's after chapter 17. I could be mistaken, but it's around that area. Just because it spans so much time that I don't want to kind of bog down the sermon in there. But um, those are the two areas if you want to go look it up on your own time. Uh, Joseph was given a vision that he would lead his family. He didn't know in what capacity. And, you know, people say he's being kind of a brat about it. I don't really know. He kind of went out and he just said, guys, God showed me something aren't you excited for me? I'm going to be in charge of all of you. And they're like, well, no, we're not actually too excited about that. And he kept pushing it, pushing it. He had a lot of favor with his father. So his brothers hit him over the head, threw him into a pit. And one of his brothers had to stop them from from killing him. And then the youngest brother, uh, you know, everyone thinks the youngest one is the most innocent. They're not. My little sister, Emily, if you're watching, mm mm-mm, I love you, girl, but mm mm-mm. See the scar up here? Yeah, I remember, girl. Anyways, the youngest brother, I believe it was, Benjamin, yeah, Benjamin, he said, hey man, no, 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 no. it was Judah, Judah says, hey man, let's sell him, yeah, let's make a profit off of it, let's sell him, so he gets sold into slavery, for what, for just being daddy's favorite special boy, like Maxwell, you know what I mean, and so he gets sold into slavery, gets sent down to Egypt, and he gets sold into slavery, into this guy named Potiphar, into his house, and you want to know what he does, he does his best job that he possibly can, because he's loyal to the vision of God over his life, and he gets favor so much so that he's treated like the greatest servant in the entire household. And then Potiphar's wife says, man, I like that Joseph guy, I like him a lot. And Joseph says, hey man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dishonor my master, your husband, and I'm not gonna dishonor my God. And he gets accused of attempting to, to you know, do things to her, and he gets thrown into prison for doing the right thing. But you wanna know what Joseph says? I'm gonna do my best in prison. And he becomes the top prisoner. He runs the prison for the guy. And years later, he's released from prison. He gets to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And then he becomes the second man in the country. And he gets to save his family from famine. Let's move forward to, to David. David has eight older brothers, I believe. I believe it's eight, yes. And he has, his father really has no use for him. So, you know, oh, do you want me to farm? Do you want me to go be a soldier? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to go sit in the gate with you, dad? No, why don't you go hang out with the sheep? You know, they, they stink. They're uh, a lot of work, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights because you're not allowed to sleep while they're out in the pasture. And uh, if something comes and kills them, and uh, you're not able to fix the situation, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, you have to fight men, you have to fight wild animals to keep them alive. Uh, you're going to have hired servants with you and they're probably going to run away. Oh, also, most of the guys you work with are going to be criminals or beggars. Um, yeah, so so I want you to go do that job. You want to know what David did? Uh, David was faithful. He worshipped God out in the fields, he, he he practiced with sling and stone. He he, he prepared himself for the future without even really knowing what that looked like. And we fast forward to when he's standing before Saul, the king, and he says, I'll go kill Goliath. And Saul says, you, but you're small. And he said, you know what's incredible? He said, when I had to go watch the lambs, God gave me the strength to fight the bears and the lions. God is with me then, he'll be with me now, and I can do this. See, David was loyal to his father out in the field And that built in him the ability to be loyal to the vision of god not only for his own life but for israel david's loyalty went to an entire nation and it brought them out of such distress they beat the philistines they smacked them around they kicked them out of their country i think i just shook the camera well whoops whatever and 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 i sat there and i looked at it i looked at joseph i looked at david and i thought where would israel have been without joseph where would israel have been without david where would we be without their stories in here? I can't tell you how many times I've been in an awful spot and I'm encouraged by the words of Joseph, by the words of David. I'm encouraged by these moments. So I ask you that same question. Where are other people gonna be if you say no to your calling because it's hard? I, I, I can only imagine where I'd be if the people in my life like my wife or Pastor Wes or some people who have really raised me and brought me up where I would be if they hadn't said yes, if they hadn't pushed through their harsh times. And then I take a look at myself and I say, you know what? What about the things that I'm supposed to do? I had such an honor to, it was such an honor for me to go to the church the other day and we got to do a walk through and look at kind of stuff going on. And, and um, man, for, for, for the longest time I looked down on um, when I was a, 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 a maintenance man and a sound tech at a church uh, out here in the Valley, an, an incredible church. Uh, But I had such a bad attitude because I was in the background. And not all people, but some of the people who were in those areas, uh, I'm not going to lie. I am still convinced that, you know, they they treated me wrongly. They were rude to me and they kind of looked down on me, but other people didn't. And And I chose to focus on the negative part. And I got so down on myself and I thought, man, this is useless. It's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. But because of those years I spent doing that, I have been given the honor to help establish processes in our church that other people don't have any experience in. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, you know what? Those years of labor have served this church well, and I'm grateful that I got to be a part of it. I just wish I'd thought of that then and I'd given more of myself into it, but God is good and he's made up for my bad attitude in those areas. So the other day we're at the church doing a walkthrough and I really had a lot of knowledge in what we were doing. And uh, again, Mrs. Willis, she, she, she kind of was mentioning things and, and I sat down and I said, you know what? Like, this is awesome. I looked down at it for years, and it is so helpful right now. Whatever you're going through, God wants to use it for your good and for other people's good. I'm really inspired by uh, the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 6, verse 9, where if we look at it properly, what it's saying is, is that the collective church will reap a benefit and a reward if the individual does not fail, if the individual does not grow weary and fall down. If the individual, you, whoever it is that's watching this, If you do not grow weary, the church as a whole, not just yourself, but other people will benefit from it. God has put a calling over your life and you are to be loyal to that calling because it goes beyond you. It goes to other people. And finally, I want to go on to our third and final point, which is loyalty in the region, otherwise known as loyalty to the body of Christ as a whole. Loyalty to the church down the street that you're not a part of. Loyalty to the church across, uh, loyalty to, I'm just going to name off, Bethel Elevation Church. Hillsong, these three churches, very large, get a lot of of stuff thrown at them. You know what? They're not perfect. And they do a lot of things I don't agree with. Some of their doctrine I don't agree with. But I'm encouraged by the Bible where it says that I do not have to be unified with them in disputable matters because they don't matter. I'm not supposed to sit there and argue with them. I'm supposed to sit there and love them, cherish them, speak good about them, pray with them and be unified with them in the core doctrine of the church which is what that jesus christ died for our sins we must repent of our sins and choose to follow him amen and that's all that really matters at the end of the day that we live a life worthy of repentance worthy of our calling as the bible would say i want to go to a a a section of scripture you guys like my bookmarks you ask my wife all my bookmarks are just pieces of paper and like receipts i read a lot of books i just I don't know, I just get it, risky, I just shove it in the book and that's just my thing. I don't, I don't know, I, I'm weird. Anyways, but Jesus loves me, so I don't really care what you have to say, uh, please love me. Anyways, uh, Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 10 through 18, it's a, a good chunk of scripture, and uh, uh, just stick with me, because a bit of it you might say, I don't see how this is relevant, it, it, it builds a story. So let's just go ahead and start in verse 10. This is Paul talking to the church of Philippi, a relatively poor church, to my understanding, I could be wrong about that, but I, I believe they are to be a relatively poor church but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at least your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. That's incredible. See, they wanted to give, but they, they weren't able to. And as soon as they were able to, they did. And that's a word for someone out there. I'm sure that's something I had to walk through in my life. Uh, Continuing on in verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need for, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context of that verse that we like to throw around out there. FYI, love you guys going on to verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the the fruit that abounds to your account. That's a word for you out there. Uh, Churches need the finances. Honestly, we do. God will supply regardless. But the reason why it's important that we give, that we give, is because there is a blessing and a fruit given to our account. And we need to look at our pastors when they ask us about giving. When the people come up and they give us a word on giving. Oh man, all they care about is the money. No, no, no. There is a biblical promise of a blessing in your life and they do you a dishonor if they do not touch up on that. I I love a pastor Judas Smith actually uh, came out a couple years ago and he did a a whole sermon on and it was quite incredible. And it was just this thing of it's not money grubbing. It's not trying to be money hungry. It's you guys. There's a blessing for you out there. Amen. Let's move forward. Going on into verse 18. Indeed I have all in abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. What did I just read? The apostle Paul needed finances. He said that he wouldn't go and beg people for money. He would go and he would work. So he's trying to establish churches in cities. He's trying to combat people uh, uh, verbally with doctrine. He doesn't want to kill them, but they want to kill him. He has a lifestyle that is terrifying. In my opinion, that people live currently right now. And he's trying to do his best to be as peaceable as always as he writes in his epistles and he needs finances and people don't want to give him finances. So not only does he have to continue to study, continue to pray, continue to establish a church, hang out with people, break bread with them, baptize them, give them doctrine, uh, correct all their ways. Because a lot of them aren't even Jews. A lot of them are pagans with all these different beliefs. He also has to work a job and it is overwhelming and he seeks aid and people won't even give him anything. But the church of Philippi does. Why? Because they looked at Paul, they looked at what he did in their city, and they said, you know what, Paul? I love what you're doing. You're establishing the kingdom of God here. I am loyal to the cause of Jesus Christ. And I know that you are establishing it, you are pushing it, and you are reaching people for it. I'm going to sow into that. I'm going to believe in that. You're establishing a church in a city that I'll never go to, that will never affect me. But I know that you'll affect people, and that's greater than me. So my church in Philippi, we're going to be loyal to you while you're over in Thessalonica. We're going to be loyal to you while you're out in Rome. We're just going to be loyal to you because we want Christianity to prosper everywhere. And that's incredible. We are to love, not criticize or ignore other churches. Fixing major doctrine is important, but disputable matters are insignificant. Division is sin in the eyes of God. We're supposed to love each other. doesn't matter if you go to Central. I, 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 I love Pastor Judd Wilhite. He has this amazing, uh, 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 I guess, uh, what is it, philosophy. He says, you know, my church is always changing. People come in and then they leave. Why? Because they come in and they get saved and they experience who Jesus is. And then they want to go and have a deeper relationship. So they go to other churches out in the valley. That's incredible. He's not offended about it. He's not upset about it. And God has blessed him with an incredible church and an amazing reach. And you know what? It's because he's been humble about it. And because he doesn't mind that people come in and out of his church. Why? Because they go and they get better and they get stronger. In the valley of Las Vegas grows as well. I love all the churches out here in the valley. Are all of them perfect? No. Are all their pastors perfect? No. Do they say things I don't agree with? Yeah. Even recently, some pastors and some local churches that I love, I respect, I adore them, they say things that I don't agree with. They push things that I don't agree with. But you know what? They're disputable matters. It doesn't matter. The moment they come out and they say, Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, that's where we have a problem. But they don't people get to know who Jesus is, people grow stronger, people feel confident, like they can actually achieve things for God now. Why would I step on that? Why would I take people out of that? No, I'm going to love them into it. Doesn't matter. if, Hey, man, like I want more people to come to my church. Of course, everyone does. But are we loyal to the cause of Jesus Christ? Because you know what that would mean? I'm not going to feel insecure or insignificant because of the size of my church or because of the size of my reach. God has given us our measure. God has given them their measure. and We need to be happy for each other and grateful for what we've been given. Amen? So to to sum this all up, God has called us to be loyal. He's called us to be unified, to have a vision, and to be loyal to that. To be loyal to the things that God has given us. To be loyal to the call over our lives. God has called us to be loyal to our local church, to the calling over our own life, and to the body of Christ as a whole. I hope this message has blessed you today. My intention was that we would all look at this a little bit differently, look at one another a little bit differently, and really respect the mission that Christ has given us, and really respect one another. I I, I really hope that that's what happened. I just want you guys to know that I love you, and I'm grateful for you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go on about our days. So Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for unity, God, and loyalty. God, we cherish these moments with you. I pray, God, that these words would stick in our hearts, God. God, that we could move forward, Lord, and that we could hit the ground running. That this valley, Lord, this city, God, this nation, wherever we're at, would be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.